Hey, what's up, homies? Thank you for tuning back into the Cholo Stereo Podcast. We are now on episode number four. Uh, this episode was with my good friend, Professor Mauricio Magaña, El Profe. He teaches at the U of A. Um, pretty dope episode. Um, so glad that I got this done. I've been trying to get in contact with him for a while. He's been in Mexico traveling and doing work. Really busy man. Um, so here we go. This is the fourth episode of Cholo Stereo. We got some good content. Lots of good shit we're talking about. Um, yeah, with the state of the country right now. I think uh, if you're Chicano, Latino, Latinx, Chicanx, whatever, you'll, you'll really dig this episode. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in. This is the fourth episode of Cholo Stereo. I'm here with my homeboy. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, my name is Mauricio Magaña. I'm a professor at uh, the University of Arizona, Mexican-American Studies. Dope. Yeah, thanks for coming through, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, so, you just came back from a trip in Mexico? I did, yeah. Yeah, tell us about it, bro. All right. So, it was uh, spent three weeks uh, in Mexico to start off the summer. Like traveling all over Mexico or just like one place so the first so it was pretty much the three weeks was divided into like damn three weeks the That's two dope. weeks the first two weeks was with family and the last week was by myself doing work so oh, wow. the family part was visiting family in hermosillo in el df and then going to a niece's wedding in uh Man, san miguel cool. de allende in, in guanajuato so that was two weeks and that was just you know family time vacation yeah. good times and then, uh, then the last week I went to a symposium at a university in San Luis Potosí and gave a talk there and just uh, kind of did the work thing there for, for a few Like days. a lecture? Yeah, it was. Like the one was, you did at Fox kind of? It was a more, uh, more academic, I suppose. Oh, okay. So less, it was a much smaller like venue, you know, like the one at the Fox was much more. Yeah, that one was great, dude. I love that one. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, I rewatch that thing like probably once a month. Right on, I appreciate yeah, that for sure. Yeah, um, and then um, yeah, so the one in, in San Luis was was a little bit more small, like you know, just with yeah. like other academics and how many people approximately? I would say it was uh, so the cool thing about it was it was like kind of micha micha, uh, half people from the U of A, half people from mm. the uh, Colegio de San Luis which is uh, the university there in San Luis Potosí. Dope. I would say there was probably, I don't know, 30 people or something like that. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What did you do last week, you said? Uh, that was the last week. That was the, oh, the that last, was the last week. Yeah, that was oh, the okay. third week. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, was, we were actually um, supposed to have the podcast when you came back, but I know you got sick, right? I did, yeah. Like major jet lag? It was uh, my sinuses, man. I yeah, think it dude. was uh, the allergies. Yeah. Like, you know, I came back and... Uh, the allergia got you. The allergia got me. And the thing that happened is during that time that we were gone, summer like hit. Yeah. You know, when we left, it was still... Wasn't, it was still nice. It was still nice. And then yeah. we came back, y ya se soltó, you know, and my body was like, I think like, what? Right. What the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, today is, ironically, July 4th. Um, one thing that I've been kind of noticing online majorly nowadays is uh you could probably see it too like when you're strolling through the gram is kind of like anti-american sentiment mm-hmm. how do you feel about a lot of the kids coming up like growing up in an era like this where it's just like a lot of us are bashing like what this country stands for and not to be like uh 
I don't know what the word is. We're not trying to be like anti-America, but at the same time, we totally are, you know, because Mm -hmm. this system is just, it's just not for us. And uh, just everything that's going on with uh, the immigration and the concentration camps, which they call them, you know, they don't like to call them that. But how do you feel about just everything at the state of the country right now for yourself as a a person of color, you know, Mm a brown man? And then how do you think everyone else that is like pro-America kind of views us? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, it's rough. It's, it's a it's an interesting time to be coming Just, of age. Yeah, you know, uh, I think about that with my students all the time. Yeah, um, and I've seen, I've definitely seen a shift. You know, mm-hmm. um, where usually, especially for like my introductory kind of classes that are mostly freshmen um, at the U of A, you know, the the student demographic is is uh, you know a lot of kids that take those classes are like straight out of high school, you know, so they're yeah. like, you know, they're coming 18, out like, 19 Whoa, being exposed to all this stuff years old. And, um, usually I'll start those classes, uh, sort of trying to gauge mm-hmm. where people are at in terms of their critical thinking. Right. Um, kind of, if they're able to separate, uh, sort of like the, the mythology of the United States, you know, what, mm-hmm. what we're taught in public schools and right. the K through 12 system mm-hmm. about our history and Which about sucks, our place in the world, you know, especially if they went to public school. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so in the past, what I found is that a lot of times, you know, uh, students who are fresh out of high school, you know, it's, it's a process of you having to unlearn that and then kind of start over. Um, but now what I've noticed the last couple of semesters is that when I do that kind of feeling out period at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. class, um, you know, my students are, they've already begun the process of dismantling all that because what they're seeing around them doesn't match what they have been told. Yeah. Right. And so, they're a lot more, uh, I mean, some are more, are more critical, mm-hmm. which is productive and others, uh, I would say are just more cynical, <laughs> which could go either way. Um, yeah. but they're not, they're not drinking the Kool-Aid as much. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that gives you something to work with, but it's also, <laughs> it's also, um, you know, just a testament to where we're at, yeah. um, you know, as a country. And I think it's a very, yeah. it's, it's a fork in the road kind of, yeah, kind of moment, you know, where people got to decide. It's crazy. Cause like that fork is just like, I've always been on, you know, one side. Right. Because, you know, growing up, like you said, K through 12 system, we stand for the flag, we pledge of allegiance, American history, all that stuff. And then Finally, like you said, you know, those students that go to college are introduced to your class. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are going to either get a little more radical with it or like keep that radicalization in the back of their mind. And then as they go on, they're going to be like, oh, OK, you know. Right. Because that was the case with me when I went to uh, Pima mm-hmm. and like I got introduced to Matcha and all that, which was, you know, life changing. That's kind of like why I'm still doing what I'm doing. But it kind of took me a while because I was like. You know, I didn't believe it because I just was never exposed to anything like that in high school. Right. So uh, that was like a huge change for me. And uh, some people, they'll listen to it and like, I guess, not care. Mm -hmm. But I listen to it and I'm like, whoa, like, this is totally wrong. All my thinking has been wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's something that I try to um, I try to remind myself, you know, especially in these classes where my students are 
18, 19 yeah. years old. You know, I think about myself where I was at when I was 18 or 19 yeah. years old. And um, it's funny. I was just like learning, like getting introduced to DJing and just learning how to skateboard and being a kid. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And looking forward to being 21 and getting, you know, wasted. Right. Just like, yeah. You I know, mean, those I was, typical 21 things. I was definitely not what I would consider like among my students to be an ideal student, I was not that, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Me like neither. I was, I was definitely a knucklehead and mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, I, I made that distinction between critical and cynical. I, at that point I was cynical. I was more cynical, you know, so I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, right. but I also wasn't, you know, necessarily trying to create, um, uh, a more, a more just society or I wasn't right. trying to like be proactive. I was just kind of like, eh, right. you know, just kind of living is the government is, uh, you know, is, is bad. And the, you know, this society is not built for us. Right. Uh, but I'm just going to go do my thing with my homies and right. whatever, you know? Um, yeah, so, so I try to remember like that. that. I try to, I try to remember that when I have, when I have kids who are not necessarily um, responding or don't seem to be, you know, responding. Sometimes it's about planting the seed and then it'll watch it grow. Yeah. It'll, it'll grow. Sometimes you get to watch it. Sometimes you don't, but you gotta, you gotta believe that at least you're doing that. At least you plant it, you know, just, just like seeds. Sometimes you plant them, they don't grow. Yeah. But the ones you do, some, some of them flourish. Yeah. And and then, you know, for some of them, they already come, you know, much more, uh, much more, with 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 the seed having already been planted and you come and then you get to have really great conversations and, yeah. and whatnot. So it's a challenge of just seeing where everybody's at. Everybody's gonna be in different places and right. trying to meet people uh where they're at. Has there been any kids in your class that kind of just don't take to what the class is about? Sure. And yeah, like, yeah. Or and there's been other ones that love it, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I, I think given uh, the fact that I teach in the Department of Mexican-American Studies, I teach classes like, uh, you know, with names that are like Introduction to Social Justice and, right. um, you know, have activism and social movements and things like that in the title. Um, that kind of weeds out certain certain students who yeah. are not, you know, really are, feeling are, it. are not feeling it, you know. Right. So there is a certain amount of, uh, sort of selection that already happens where um, a lot of the students who are really hostile to social justice and who are hostile to um, ethnic studies and, mm-hmm. and things like that um, are either not going to take the class or they take the class and they're just so obviously in it to be a troll <laughs> that I structure the class in a way where uh, if you're just there to be a troll and you're not doing yeah. the reading mm-hmm. and you're not engaging in the actual material and you're just there to give your political opinions, you're not going to do well in the class, yeah. regardless of whether you agree or disagree. If you're mm-hmm. just there to to not do the work, you're not going to do well in the class. And right. trolls are generally lazy and yeah. are not going to do the work. Wow. Um, That's so, surprising to me. Like, if anything, I would have respect if I wasn't feeling something. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to do the work, you know, pass, right. get out of there. Yeah. That's it's crazy. A, it's a semester, though, you know. It's, it's 16 weeks to, yeah. be, to be surrounded by people that you're hostile towards. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, you're right. So, so I mean, it's not to say that I don't get some of those students, but yeah. they're far outnumbered by students who are... Who want to be there. Yeah, who want to be there. Yeah. You know? So, uh... I don't know if my listeners know, but um, I spoke at your class, it was a few months back. Yeah. I think it was like in what? March, March? April? March. Yeah, around yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Thanks for having me there. That yeah, was cool. I was great. 
pretty nervous. Yeah, no, the students, the students really uh, responded yeah? to your visit. And That's cool. I had I had folks asking me questions like throughout the semester. Like, oh, really? Oh, what's nice. up with uh, What's up with Miguel? What's he doing? Blah, yeah, blah, blah. cool. How can I get a hold of him? Yeah, I uh, actually got a few of the students following me on Instagram. Like, they don't engage as much with me because I know they're busy. But mm -hmm. like, I'll see them here and there, and uh, you know, it's cool that they liked it. I was, that was the one thing I was nervous about. You know, the kids being there and just like someone not being receptive to what I'm saying. Yeah. But then again, you just can't please everyone. But yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, you're, I was just nervous because mm -hmm. you know I'm just going into an institution of like kids, and they're just like, you know, who the hell is this dude? Right. You know, some fool that has just some brand into some like I'm not trying to hear it. But it was cool. Um, is there any kids that were like, like they really enjoyed it? Or is there kids that were like anything negative? Because I'd love to hear like negative comments. Just I kind mean, of were, like, not like, negative, but I guess kind of, uh, I don't know. I, for, I don't know the word, but. Like a critique. Right. Like, like a, yeah, like a critical breakdown. Because um, I did one at um, Pima too. Oh, with, cool. Uh, yeah, with Kathy. Mm -hmm. Oh, right on. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. one was cool too. But there was, like, a few kids in that class, like, I could feel, like, their energy was just, like, I don't even want to look at them because they're, like, I don't even want to hear what you're saying right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was funny because at the end of the class, we took a, a photo, mm -hmm. and all the ones that were, like, hella receptive, they mm -hmm. came up because I had my daughter. I had to bring my daughter oh, that time. Oh, right on. Yeah, and there was a few of the ones that were sitting down. I'm, like, okay, that's not surprising. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I said a few things in there that they probably didn't agree with, but right. that's kind of, like, why I'm asking you. Yeah, no, I mean, again, the class that you came to speak to was, uh, you know, an upper level, uh, oh, cool. more like seminar style class. And so that was definitely a case of, you know, the students who were there were engaged and they wanted to be there. Dope. Um, and a lot of them are from Tucson. And so I think it was really, wow. they, they really enjoyed having, you know, somebody who's from here That's cool. um, talk about what they're doing in the community, right, and what right. they're trying to build. And, mm -hmm. um, and that they're kind of at that point, right. Where they're like, okay, like, what are we, what are we going to do with all this knowledge and this energy mm -hmm. that we have? Um, right. How are we going to make our community better? And so I right. try to bring in folks who were from the community who were doing work um, here locally, but also were thinking globally as well, right? right. Sort of like how what they how what you can build here can connect with what other folks are doing elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they yeah they they were really receptive to it and That's they enjoyed dope. it. Yeah, yeah. Who else did you have there? I had, um, you had someone from Flowers and Bullets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, was it, uh, uh Rogue One, right? Right, Elaine, Rogue One. Elaine, um, came, uh, and she talked about, uh, her art and how her art and activism. Yeah. Um, so, I didn't even know she was a teacher. Yeah, I didn't know she was a teacher either. And then she was like, oh, like she had to leave a little early. She's like, oh, yeah. I have class. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, damn. You're, you're I think busy. she teaches at a, at, or, teaches or used to teach at Changemaker. Last time I talked to her, she said she was going through some professional changes. Oh, okay. But yeah, I didn't know she was a teacher. Yeah, I think when she um, when she came uh, to visit us, she was she was still there at, at Changemaker. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the students really enjoyed, you That's know. That's dope. She's such a dope artist yeah. and a great person. Yeah, she's a dope artist and she's... Shout, uh, out. shout out Rogue One. Yeah. And shout out Flowers and Bullets as well. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I knew she was a dope artist um just by you know following her on instagram and seeing like the work that she does but it was yeah. it was the first time that i met her um and so it was really cool to see you know that she's a really uh dope person and really committed um right. you know artist teacher um 
community member, right? Yeah, uh, a crew member, the flowers of bullets. Exactly, yeah, yeah, because sometimes, you know, what people, uh, what you see, especially on, like, social media, you know, what, mm-hmm. what you what you see on there it doesn't always match what people right. are in, in person. And so it's always right. nice to, to meet people that um, sort of are the real deal and, right. uh, yeah. you know, practice what they preach and all that. And so, so that was an amazing uh, visit uh, for the students and for myself. Like I said, that was the first time I got to meet her. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mel from oh, yeah, Mel. Potera Mello came. Went. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mello came. She's amazing, um, amazing too. Yeah, she is. She's another one of those people, right? Who, yeah. What you see is what you get. You know, right. Shout right out there. to uh, Melo Dominguez as well. Yeah. And uh, Galio, uh, Gallery Mitotera. Yeah, yeah. Mitotera uh, does does great, great stuff. Uh, yeah. There. It's dope. It's like right in front of Minidito. It's yeah. Like right there on the south. Yeah. You can't south Fourth. Exactly. Yeah. It's right there. The and Mexican, the Mexican side of Fourth Avenue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was that was really cool. Um, and uh melissa also uh uh her partner you know does a lot of really yeah. great stuff there too she's really so nice, yeah. that sort of inviting um mellow to the to the class was um i had i had met them before but briefly and so that was also an opportunity oh, okay, cool. to, to sort of build that relationship and find out more about what they do there and now my partner uh susie who does a, a spanish story time right. um and a few different places in the community uh is also doing it now at Galeria Mitotera. And so right. that's been really, really dope too. To that's sort cool. of, um, watch the connections and the relationships kind of, uh, yeah. evolve, you know, so that's, that's been, that's been really dope. And yeah. then I had, uh, some, uh, graduate students who are doing, uh, research on, you know, on activism, on, uh, art and social movements, things like that come mm-hmm. and talk to the class too. So we had, uh, quite a few, um, uh, quite a few guests huh? guests yeah come to the class that's dope um, that must have been great for the students yeah instead of just seeing you, you exactly every day. <laughs> no that's what i tell them that's yeah. what i tell them i'm like i'm like uh true you know I'm not, I'm not just gonna get up here and talk for an hour and a half twice a week yeah. for 16 weeks like y'all have to talk and i'm also gonna like you know bring bring yeah. folks to that's to great come, yeah uh, and you engage so other people from. within the community to your class exactly that's cool um Earlier, like I said, when I got involved with uh, Mecha for a bit, when I went to Pima, mm-hmm. I know Mecha is going through some huge changes right now, like at all like campuses around you know the country, yeah. and there's been really like uh, that like anti Chicano sentiment, mm-hmm. which I don't mean I don't think they mean it to come across that way, mm-hmm. but because of the history of Mecha and kind of the even the name, you know what it's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. That's even getting changed at some places. Mm-hmm. Um, were you involved in Mecha, like growing up? Um, so where I, so this is actually something that I was gonna speak to a little bit before when you were talking about your own experience oh, um, cool. at Pima and things like that. Was um, you know, like I didn't go straight to university. I didn't even finish high school. Actually, um, I dropped out of high school at one point, and then and then I tried to go back, and then they kicked me out. Um, and so I took a very slow, untraditional, as they say, route. That's mad and traditional. Yeah. Considering your professor yeah. at the university. I mean, I don't think, that's again, dope. that's why I say like, if I think about myself at 18, 19. Yeah. Everyone has their own path, man. I definitely wasn't, um, you know, uh, an academic, uh, 
uh, a mini <laughs> academic by any, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, so, you know, I got my GED, I, I did community college, you know, I kind of chipped away at it, took a few classes here, a few classes there. Um, and then, uh, so I did all of this in Minnesota, which is where my family moved when I was eight. Wow. So, so that's where I did, uh, uh, high school where I should have graduated, but I didn't graduate. But anyways, that's where I started to do community college. Um, and then I moved to Florida, which is where I was actually born. I was wow. born in Florida. Didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was born in Florida and, um, my grandma and one of my cousins and one of my tias lived there. So I went to live with them and then to get residency. And then that's where I ended up enrolling in, in university was, mm -hmm. uh, in Tampa, Florida. Um, and there wasn't, there wasn't Mecha. Oh, there wasn't Mecha. There was no Mecha. If oh, okay. I, if, even, even if I said Chicano, people would have been like, They're like, what is that? Where is that? <laughs> They're yeah. like, where is that? Chicano? It's definitely like a Southwest thing. It's you a know? Southwest thing. Aslan. Some parts of the Midwest, um, but Florida, no, there was. So what I was a part of was called MASA. And okay. so it was the Mexican American Student Association. Okay. Um, and actually several of the, the students that were in that were Central American. Um, wow. Out the top of my head, like one of my like really good homies was um, Guatemalteco. I'm not sure if there was other countries represented, but um, cool. at least that. Um, and, um, and so it was a very different sort of, I think, organization and um, yeah. You know, ideology behind it than than with Mecha. It wasn't it wasn't right. Chicanismo. It wasn't mm -hmm. Aslan. It was just sort of like, okay, we're a super small minority here, right. um, and so it was more of like an ethnic national identification, right? right? Like, okay, well, we're either immigrants or we're the children of immigrants from mostly from Mexico, but also, like I said, uh, a few mm -hmm. um, Central Americans in the group. Yeah, and I would imagine there would be so many, especially in Florida. Yeah, I mean, at the time there definitely wasn't. There's more. There's yeah, more now, but still, sure. still, um, still. I think if you talk about um, being a Chicano, I think most people wouldn't even know what that what that means because yeah. there isn't that history there. Right. You know. Um, right. And so I I didn't get involved in Mecha until graduate school. So I went okay. to graduate school at the University of Oregon, uh, and there there was a very strong um, Mecha. Really. And uh, cool. and so yeah, you know, I got I got involved with Mecha there, That's and, dope. and I had a great experience um, with them, and it was a very I think, uh, progressive sort of mm -hmm. chapter of, yeah. of Mecha. So I think it was a good fit in terms of that. That's you know, cool. It was, um, you know, mujeres were really at the forefront of women of the, of <laughs> Doing the organization. It. it was very, um, LGBTQI, um, uh, I think, uh, led as well. Right. Wow. So it was a lot of, uh, dope queer women uh leading it and also thinking about how to be more inclusive right um and so so for me it was just a really good yeah experience you know that's cool yeah um how do you like yourself identify like i identify myself as like chicano mm -hmm. which like i kind of have to explain it to a lot of people even mm -hmm. other people that are chicano that don't really call themselves that they're like well i'm mexican right you know and to be technical they're like well yes mexican american but how mm -hmm. do you how do you identify as yourself yeah so i identify myself um many different ways mm -hmm. depending on who i'm around okay right because yeah. also also the uh i mean so the context matters um always you know yeah. there's certain certain 
places where if I say I'm a Chicano, they're again going to be like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And then depending on whether or not I'm feeling like explaining it or not, exactly. maybe I will or I won't. But, but for myself, right. I, uh, you know, my dad is Mexican. I myself technically am Mexican as well as from the U.S. in terms of like my citizenship. Right. You know, I've lived in both places. I have, you know, a Mexican passport as well as U.S. passport. And so I have that that privilege and that experience right, right of having lived in both countries. Um, but my mom's family is not Mexican. You know, she grew up in Mexico, but she's oh, wow. uh, Cuban and Moroccan. Okay. Right. And so, um, yeah. Like which one do you go with, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so growing up really I identified as Chicano because that was like the, the, you know, the one thing that was available to me that I identified with. You right. It's like I had other friends who were Chicanos and they identified that way. Okay. Um, and so, so that's what made sense to me. Right. And, and I grew up more right with the, the Mexican, uh, experience and culture than mm -hmm. the cuban or the moroccan um do you think if you would have had like more uh i guess cuban cuban uh friends or family or whatever do you think you would not identify as chicano because you grew up kind of a certain way i mean i think if i would have grown up uh you know with my cuban uh family in like, hialeah which is where yeah. a lot of them um more than, a lot of them aren't there anymore, but that's where they were. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I probably would have identified mm. differently because that would have been my experience. Right. You know. So like, but, back, um, back to my question as far as like uh, the anti-mecha sentiment that's kind of coming up right now, mm -hmm. and me saying that I, what I think, I don't think they mean it maliciously. They're like, you know, we hate Chicanos. We don't want to be around them. Mm -hmm. We just don't identify as that. And now because more and more of them are central american or mm -hmm. even like caribbean or whatever mm -hmm. they don't feel represented mm -hmm. which you know we don't feel represented at all in this country that's why going back to my mm -hmm. other question the mm -hmm. anti-american sentiment yeah, yeah, yeah you know we we feel like we're not american mm -hmm. in a sense so uh how do you feel about like the name change and mm -hmm. just about so many kids coming up that don't feel like they're being represented by the name of Mecha because, sure. you know, they don't identify as Chicano, mm -hmm. which I think, you know, it's fine in my eyes because I want everyone to feel represented. Mm -hmm. And especially in Mecha, if I was in Mecha or I was in Mecha, but if I didn't feel identified, I feel like I wouldn't feel as strongly as I do about it. Right. Right. Yeah. So how do you, how do you think uh, that works? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I think that trying to be more, uh, inclusive and welcoming of um of different uh people and their experiences and their identities is a good thing yeah right um and so i think that the the impulse behind changing the name um i'm definitely uh on board with it i think um because yeah. there's a lot of people that aren't because sure they don't they're like you know well you didn't share our struggle Right. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. You know, I see, I, I, I understand that, you know, and I, I, um, I, I respect that. Like, right. you know, that's uh, a very, especially for, you know, uh, the generations that um, fought for. Yeah, they fought for Mecha. Uh, they to fought even have it to as create Mecha, to what it is. even have uh, Chicano studies, right. uh, Mexican American studies, mm -hmm. ethnic studies. Um, at universities and high schools, um, part of the Chicano movement, 
all that. Like, I think you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, and mm -hmm. you're very invested in that particular, um, uh, you know, that, that particular organization with that particular name. I right. totally get it. I get it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that welcoming um, more people uh, to the struggle, to the movement. Right. Because um, it's like all our struggle. Exactly. We all have different struggles, but collectively it's all ours. Yeah, and we can't, you know, we can't get so caught up in any kind of nationalism, whether it's, right. whether it's U.S. nationalism, right, right here on the 4th mm -hmm. of July. Which is crazy um, heavy. Which is crazy he heavy, whether it's Chicano nationalism, whether it's Mexican nationalism, that does exist. whether it's, yeah. um, you know, uh, any other, I mean, any kind of nationalism has a danger of becoming um, right. exclu exclusionary and becoming uh, uh, just like uncritical. They say, yeah, just like they say, too much of something isn't good. Exactly. Know? Too much of something isn't good. And it's, it's all good to be, like, I'm not saying don't, don't be a Chicano and don't be proud of being a Chicano. Like right. I do identify, mm -hmm. you know, as a Chicano. Mm -hmm. I also identify um, as a Latino. I also identify as, um, you know, being mixed. Mm -hmm. I also identify as, you know, being part of, um, you know, the Moroccan diaspora. Uh, my grandfather, who was Moroccan, was a Sephardic Jew, so I'm part of that diaspora as well. Oh, wow. Um, and so my identity is not nice and neat, and it doesn't fit yeah. into a little box. Right. Um, and really nobody's identity is yeah. nice and neat and fits into a box. And so yeah. once you try to cram it into a box and mm -hmm. then you hunker down and you defend that box, um, that becomes... Uh, it, it becomes non-productive and it becomes right. problematic. You know, right. I see that. Um, and so I totally get you know the different sides to it. Um, I think if you're trying to build something and you're trying to um, grow and include right. more people, that's a good thing. Um, if you're trying to hate yeah. on people, um, and th and this comes from all sides. This comes from the people who are who are um, who are critical of of. Chicanos and Chicanismo, and it comes from people who are trying to defend it. If you are attacking people and not trying to understand and you're not trying to build something, then I don't really have too much time for that. Mm. Right. But if you're really trying to, um, you know, amplify, um, amplify movements and struggles and trying to build something, then those are hard conversations that we have to have. Yeah. And um, I think that. It can be painful, but I think that's part of the process. And right. I think uh, I think it's a good thing that yeah, pain that is growth. It for is sure. It yeah. is pain is is growth. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's definitely not an easy road for any of us. No, know, that no, it's not. Growing up in you know this majority of well, not really majority because I think we are the majority, but you know, it's just this white country that we're in, which uh, <laughs> is crazy. Fourth of July, you know, so much going around. You see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everyone's super proud, which is like we're kind of walking around and we're just like, uh, you know, it's hard. Yeah, no, I definitely usually um, try to not spend Fourth of July uh, in this country um, mm -hmm. because, again, uh, I'm not like I have all my different identities and my politics and none of them are nationalist right. uh, for any nationality. Like nationalism right. for me is not what it's about. Um, yeah. And so to see all these people like all gung ho about um, about 
the United States and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff to me. Red, any, blue, in any man. year, in any year is, <laughs> it, you know, I'm not feeling it, but especially yeah. this year, especially this year. Yeah. Like, especially this year, man. Yeah. I, I feel like anyone out there flying a flag that is either Mexicano or, you know, you know, just a person of color. I'm just like, for real, man, like, do you not watch TV? Like <laughs> ignorance is a choice nowadays, you know, because mm. it's everywhere. If you choose not to look at stuff or read stuff and not be aware of it, it's your own fault, yeah. you know? And you come across someone that's super aware, you know, super conscious, and you're getting mad at them. I don't know. It's yeah. crazy. No, I mean, you know, there's that saying where if you're not you're if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Right. Um, I think that right now that couldn't be more true. Right. You know, with so much uh, injustice and so mm -hmm. much um, violence and hostility being directed at at so many different communities yeah. in this country and abroad, um, perpetuated by, you know, that very same nationalism that we're talking about. Um, it's just, you really have to be actively trying to either bury your head in the sand or, right. or you feel that you're, you know, that you're, um, that you're, morals or lack of morals are being represented right. by you know the all these injustices but, right but to to you know to say that you're about um you know humanity and justice and all these mm -hmm. things and to not be outraged about what's happening right now i don't see right. how you could possibly and it's hard for me too because i have three kids you know and they don't get it, you know, and I don't blame them because they're small. Mm -hmm. They're not mature enough to understand, just like I wasn't mature enough to understand coming up. Mm -hmm. That's why, uh, like I said earlier, when I was in college, you know, just for that semester or year, it was just like such third eye opening, you know. Right. So, and it's hard because, you know, they're like, are we going to go do the fireworks? Are we going to go to this party? You know, just right. like, you know, I don't have them today because they're with their mother, but mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just rough because you want them to enjoy their life, yeah, and you want them to be happy, sure, you know. And it's just crazy because everything that's going on right right now, they're gonna learn about when they're older. And I don't know, it's just hard because growing up, I just I never I never thought about any type of like political anything, mm -hmm. you know. And for my children, they're so innocent right now. It's just like I don't know how they're gonna feel about stuff, you know. Yeah, and it's funny because my parents didn't; mm -hmm. they didn't, and I don't know if they're aware now. I don't really talk to them about it because you know I don't like to open that can of worms on them because right. they're just probably gonna say something I don't agree with. Sure. Um, yeah, it's just rough, dude. Like to have those conversations with familia and mm -hmm. that whole family, that whole family uh, divide that mm -hmm. happens, especially like you know when the president was elected mm -hmm. everybody's like eh, don't matter you know it's just president's the president which is on a way i guess mm -hmm. a good way of thinking but then it's really not yeah and all those divides are real you know they've caused division in so many families mm -hmm. friends aren't friends anymore families don't talk to certain people anymore yeah and it's just rough you know i i go through it myself almost you know weekly with certain people and especially people that you work with mm. but um yeah, Trump is causing <laughs> that division, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's crazy because a lot of, like, even African-American folks are like, man, I just wish Obama was back. And mm -hmm. it's just like, I get it, you know? Mm -hmm. I know you want everyone wants Obama to be the president again, you know, because they miss him and all that. But, mm -hmm. again, people that aren't conscious of what's happening, what's going on, or didn't know that he was one of the biggest, you know, deporter of immigration uh, immig uh, immigrants in this country mm -hmm. they still call his nickname i think was uh 
the deporter yeah, in chief. Deporter in chief. Yeah, no, he ha- he he is still right the uh, president who's deported the most yeah. um, people ever, which is crazy. Um, I mean, that just goes to show you that the that there is no there is no messiah, right? Right? There is no none at all person, single person that's gonna come and fix everything, right. especially not a politician. No. Um, and so I've always been very much about how can how can you sort of think beyond electoral politics to um, to look for answers and solutions and right. for justice and dignity for for people. Um, but that is not to say that that there isn't a difference, right? Because there is a difference between what uh, the current administration is doing and what other administrations have done. Right. Um, it's not. It's not completely new, right? Like the architecture yeah. for what we're seeing happening. These right detention now, centers slash call them what they are—the concentration camps. Exactly. have always been there. Exactly. They've they've been there and they proliferated under yeah. um, Obama. They proliferated under uh, the second Bush. They um, plur proliferated especially the militarization of the border under bill clinton um so republicans and democrats are both guilty of uh using immigrants as pawns and as scapegoats Mm -hmm. um and uh, and of not fixing um the problem um and that's in part because it there's very powerful economic incentives to have a permanent right. underclass uh, of, of people that are deportable that you can threaten uh, so that they will continue to do, um, they will continue to work in uh, exploitative uh, conditions because mm-hmm. you threaten them with right. detaining them and deporting them. Um, right. But again, what we're seeing right now is, uh, is a, uh, uh, an acceleration of what was already there and the 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 just outright cruelty and yeah. hostility and the rhetoric right mm-hmm. uh, dehumanizing racist mm-hmm. rhetoric um is is at a whole nother level right. right um and so in some ways hopefully it opens people's eyes up to what ha- what was already there um because it's just you know uh, really just out in the open now. Right. Um, but also, you know, that there does need to be political change. Right. Um, but there also needs to be, uh, you know, uh, grassroots sort of mobilizations to force that change. Right. Because it won't change by itself. Right. Right. And there is no, again, there is no politician who you can vote for. Right. That then that's all you have to do and they're going to fix things. Like, right. no, you have to keep, the fire on their ass and right. you have to constantly be reminding them of right. what the political consequences are right. um, of them not doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, and just like AOC pretty much like every week she's coming out with a new video and a new speech or right. people are like, yes, yes, yes. And then so many other people are like, Oh, we hate this person, you know? And it's just because she's exposing the truth. Yeah. They hate the her. Truth. They hate her because she's a woman of color who is not playing yeah. games right. and she's just calling it what it is. And, um, you know, she's not a career politician. She's right. So many people love to bash to her bartending. <laughs> yeah. Which just shows you it's exactly crazy. like what their sort of class politics are. Right. right. Um, that's so elitist to be yeah. like thinking that that's something to, to criticize. Right? right. That's, that's, 
that's somebody working to put food on the table. Um, right. Like, what could you possibly yeah. have to Blue say collar, about that? Right. Yeah. Um, the people that they say they support, you know, the middle class people. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. So I think uh, what you see with, um, you know, with AOC and with um, sort of her class of uh, freshmen. Yeah. She uh, definitely has a good crew behind her. Representatives um, is that, you know, you have this group of uh, women of color who, again, are not career politicians who have entered politics and are um calling things what they are and right. and not playing sort of the game that democrats yeah. normally play and that yeah. the moderates and those no you pandering know, in power continue to play right yeah. um they're just like they're not having it right um which again which is a great thing um but again there has to be movements yeah on the ground that are doing that are doing the work day to day. Yeah. Um, we can't think that voting for people every two years or every four years is going to solve things because it's not. Right. You know? Always have to keep voting, you know? Yeah. Just stay, stay in the loop. Yeah. I mean, you know, I used to, I used to not really, um, definitely did not advocate uh, voting because to me, on the issues that I really care about, mm-hmm. immigration, uh, mass incarceration, um, U.S. imperialism, militarism, um, both parties are have historically been garbage. Right. Um, but if this last election, uh, presidential election, and then this, you know, election uh, last year teaches us anything is that, well, voting has its place. Yeah. You know, there are there there is a spectrum, right, of mm-hmm. of politicians and of uh, politics that. Uh, that to choose from right. and um you know sometimes you vote for the lesser of two evils right. um but always still doing the work on the ground right right because again they're not going to solve the big problems um but is it important to get the current ruling party out mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely it yeah. couldn't be more clear for sure you know how urgent of a matter that is so earlier when you talked about um, your identity, mm-hmm. you said uh, that you identify as Latin. Mm. Um, a lot of people Latinx. are... Right, Latinx. Yeah. <clears throat> That's where I'm actually going. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the, the X? Like, what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. For me, it's just more of like, uh, like we said earlier, inclusivity, you know, mm-hmm. all genders. Yeah. You know, Latino, Latina, Chicano, Chicana. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chicken X just totally like fits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because... When you're in Mako, I'm sure they're like, what the fuck is that? You know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what's Chicanx? Mm-hmm. Even Chicano, like, I'm sure, like, that's not really even relevant down there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because a lot of them that are hardcore, like, Mexicanos, they're born there, they live there, they work there. Mm-hmm. You know, the word is, uh, what, pocho for us. Mm-hmm. And even here, just, like, people that uh, are Mexican that don't really identify as Mexican-American or Chicano, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh, you're just trying to be hardcore Mexicano, but... You don't live in Mexico. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know. How do you feel about the like X and just like mm-hmm. um, the difference of, you know, life? Just how they say, ni soy de aquí, ni soy de allá, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to fit these two molds, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about just that inclusivity as a whole? Yeah. I mean, I think the, again, the X, much like the, you know, conversation we're having about Mecha. And yeah. Because so. I don't have an issue with that at all. I dig it. Yeah, no, again, it's it's about... Because every generation is going to have something new. 
Yeah, it's about how do you how do you make imperfect labels? Because again, like I was saying about identity, right? Identity is not a nice, neat thing that fits into any box, right? right. Um, and all of these labels that we have to work with and that we create are never going to be all encompassing. They're never going to cover everybody. They're never going right. to cover all of you. Right. Um, and so it's just how can you how can you keep evolving and trying to expand yeah. the um, the the box to include more people. Yeah, that's a good um, word because it totally is an evolution. Yeah, yeah, and so um, I think it's you know it's it's a delicate balance between um, still having these identities mean something so that it resonates with people and right. that people feel a part of it, but also not to be dogmatic and not to be inflexible to where you can't keep up with um, with different changes, right? And so I mm -hmm. think that um, the X for Latinx or Chicanx uh, is, is a great example of um, understanding that uh, we're working with labels that are... Uh, you know, they're coming from the Spanish language and the Spanish right. language is gendered and it's mm -hmm. gendered along a binary um, system, right, of male and female, mm -hmm. of masculine and feminine. And humans uh, don't fit along that that rigid system. Right, right? especially in today's world. Yeah, and always, really, uh, yeah. across, across different um, cultures and civilizations over yeah. time. Uh, Just like uh, I barely learned you mm -hmm. know because i'm learning new things every day but mm -hmm. the uh, native american culture i didn't know that they identified as they call them two spirits mm -hmm. you know yeah so there's examples very dope yeah i never knew that yeah there's examples uh from different native american uh cultures here in the u.s uh in mexico in south asia in i'm sure parts that that i haven't that i don't know about but there's right. plenty of examples over time and in different areas where cultures have a gender system that is not binary, right? Where mm -hmm. there's three, four, five, multiple right. options, right? Um, and so I think that, that that is a fact of human experience, that, um, that gender and gender identity are fluid and they're not binary. And so trying to make the identities that we mobilize and that we articulate, that we identify with, um, better map onto that fluid reality is, mm -hmm. is a great thing. Um, and on that one, I have less, you know, I was saying like, I can understand people who are defensive about, about Mecha or about Chicano. Um, I have less of an understanding for people who are, uh, sort of defensive about keeping right. Latino, Latina and not Latinx. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, you're, 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 your starting point is already a colonial language of, yeah. of Spanish. Yeah. So what are you so uh, attached to that, I, right. that you feel threatened? Yeah. Um, and just growing up too, a lot of Mexican people don't even know that Spanish is not the true language of this land or even the people that, you know, lived here before the mm -hmm. natives. And if you go further south, the people that were uh, living in Mexico before colonialism, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what, uh, what, now what? Yeah, yeah, it's mean, a huge one. Yeah, there's, there's like this hundreds is, of yeah, of, hundreds of them. Uh, indigenous languages that um, yeah. are still spoken uh, on this continent, yeah. uh, and that uh, English and Spanish uh, were imposed on and continue to be imposed on. Yeah, um, like how crazy is that? Like Spanish is just like the majority language for all of like, you know, 
from Mexico down almost. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, I mean, you know, Spaniards you, fucking fucked it up, man. No, I mean, that's the thing. You don't get you don't get so many people speaking a language yeah. without um, violence, dude. You know, yeah. So whether it's Crazy. Spanish, whether it's English, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's the same. So the the whole point was, I don't understand how you could be so arraigado right. uh, to those you know, Latino Latina and and. So right. feel threatened by, yeah. you know, somebody yeah. throwing the X up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, right. so I have less, mm-hmm. less, less time for those folks. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that because I was watching, uh, Netflix the other day and I noticed the comedian, the Gabriel Iglesias, mm-hmm. he has his own show in there now. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. You know, Chicano, I'll support him. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's binge the whole show. <laughs> so I basically watched all, I think it's like eight or nine, uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, really not that great, you know, of a show, but it's kind of cool to see, you know, someone that, uh, looks like me in a sense, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, being Mexican American and Chicano, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, of course he's going to touch on issues like that. And, and the show, are, have you seen it before? No, I haven't seen it. So he plays a history teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is crazy because mm-hmm. you're a teacher as well. Mm-hmm. I think you dig it. Um, it's just a little corny here and there, but sure. it's funny. They have this episode where they go over, uh, the word Latinx and there's a female student. She's like. Yeah, it's like we need to include more people like Latino and Latinas, you know, for genders or whatever. I'm going to identify as INX. Mm-hmm. And then him, his character, he's like, you can't just make up a word, and which is uh-huh. crazy because uh-huh. it's just like all we do as Chicanos is make up words, you know. <laughs> right. And even in the hip hop culture, we always make up words and it's just it turns into a new word, mm-hmm. you know, year after year. They're like, you know, so this word and that word has been added to the dictionary. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. well, it's a word now. You know what I mean? So that's how language works. That's how language you know, works. There, there, there was no, there was. <laughs> I no, hate that people like, are like, dude, that's not even a word. It's like yeah, everything's it's, made it's like up. It is now. Yeah. You know, so for real, it, um, like we, people don't talk, don't speak any language the same way that they spoke yeah. it two hundred years ago. For you real, know? like shit changes, and yeah. you can either be a dinosaur and be <laughs> resistant to it and be salty because you know people are saying things you don't understand, or yeah. you can try and. And just be don't excited, use it if you don't want to use it. Be excited about change and, you know, <laughs> yeah. try to stay on top of it and, and learn, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. It's crazy, dude. Because, like, even now, like, there's even tons of Chicanos that are like, I don't even like being called Chicano. Like, mm-hmm. when I went to go talk at Kathy's class, mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the first things that I asked. Yeah. I was like, who in here identifies as Chicano? Mm-hmm. And probably like about six or seven raised their hands. And the other half, like, either didn't want to or they just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. was trips me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, you know, like, when it comes to the whole Chicano thing, like, I still, like, for me, really, um, you know, I think it's important to uh, keep the history alive, mm-hmm. right, of the struggle of right. Chicanos. Um, and the as long as you know, that identity and that label resonates with people, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but if at some point it's, it stops working for people, then you just got to find something that does work for them yeah. while connecting it to Whatever the struggle. Whatever is best for you. You know, connect it to the struggle, you know, connect it to the Chicano movement, which is what it was called and what it will always be called, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not um, people continue to identify that way or not, the Chicano movement was a uh, historical process and, and uh, moment of mobilization that did a lot of really amazing things. Um, and I 
always teach that to my students, um, whether or not they identify as Chicano or not. And I have lots of students who don't identify as Chicano, Mm -hmm. um, who are still inspired by um, by that movement and by um, that's cool by learning about it right because yeah. again it's not taught uh, in the sure. K through twelve curriculum mm-hmm. and when I was at before I came to the U of A I was at UCLA and Dope. a lot of my students uh, went to the very high schools that um, where the East LA blowouts right. happen right the walkouts right the walkouts um, and they are learning about it for the first time in college like they didn't learn that history yeah. in their high schools which is so the crazy. history of their high schools out, which is insane. Did you see that? Um, I think it was like a mini like movie documentary for HBO. Edward James almost directed it. I I didn't see the, I didn't see the HBO one. I I always use this old PBS documentary, um, that has actual like archival footage from the real shit. Um, but, uh, I have definitely been curious and I, I respect, you know, the, the yeah. career and the work of Edward James almost. And he's somebody who like, yeah. you know, is shows up. Yeah. Michael Pena is the teacher in there. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Edward James almost is somebody who like very much has had, you know, like success in Hollywood and all that, but has never forgotten sort of his community right. where he comes from. Uh, you know, he'll show up at, at, in marches and show up for causes and so i definitely for sure. appreciate that and i should i should watch actually his yeah you should it's dope yeah. it's super dope that's kind of like a a way for me because you know i love entertainment mm-hmm. and just like everything that comes with it especially when it involves you know our culture right um yeah it's just it's a dope movie yeah i, re- no, I heard, really enjoyed I've heard, it i've heard really good things about it yeah um so on to the next thing i guess mm-hmm. I feel like I was forgetting something, but we could talk about Chicanismo and like what's good and bad about it all day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how about uh, music? Have you been listening to anything new? Do you like really bump uh, any certain artists? Because you said you, you grew up in Minnesota. So I grew up in, so I was born in Florida, uh, but I don't really have roots in Florida. Uh, my, uh, my parents lived in Mexico mm-hmm. when my mom became pregnant with me. Um, they're living in Mexico City, and my dad is from Sonora, and they decided that uh, they wanted to move back to Sonora. Well, back from my dad and move to Sonora for my mom. She never been, never lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to live in Sonora. Um, and so uh, my dad was looking for work and looking for a place uh, to stay in Sonora, and my mom went to be with my grandma, who was in Florida, oh, okay. and so I was born there. Um, you know, you could, you could say that I was an anchor baby in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, you know, it, it was really more about having somebody to help out you right. know, with me and my sister when I, when I was going to be born. And so I was born in Florida, but we didn't really live there. So when I was a couple of months old, mm-hmm. we moved to Sonora, which is where my dad was. So then I lived in Sonora. I lived in uh, Syracuse, New York, Cool. lived in Minnesota, um, and then as an adult, lived in Florida, Oregon, California, Arizona. Which Oaxaca. place was like the longest stretch of time that you spent? Minnesota. 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 Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, from like eight to eighteen. Oh wow, really? Yeah. So you're like super familiar with like Rhyme Sayers Entertainment up oh, there. Oh, for sure. That's yeah, huge yeah, up there, for right? Sure. It is very huge. Yeah. yeah, it's very huge up there. And out of you know like Rhyme Sayers. Uh, I don't know if so you know, many dope artists. Los, Los Nativos. Los which, Nativos, of course. You know, they put out like three albums at this point. Mm-hmm. There's a big gap between like their yeah. second album and their most recent album. Huge but I was gap. super happy to see yeah. it, you know, when, when they I put was, that out. Yeah, when I was growing up too, um, when I was a younger teenager, 
I was kind of looking for music like that, and that was kind of like the first thing I came across because, oh, wow. yeah, I used to listen to all the Rhyme Series artists like mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. which for me was like uh, I Self Divine and then mm. Atmosphere. Brother Ali is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I was a DJ or trying to learn how to be a DJ, mm-hmm. my favorite DJ at that time and still one of my all-time favorites, uh, his name is Mr. Dibbs. Sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But there's just so many cats on there that are just like so talented, mm-hmm. you know, and they're still like going strong to this day. Yeah, they are for which sure. Which is dope. And I feel like uh, the city's kind of be- like forming its own type mm-hmm. of like, not label in a sense, you right. know, but you know scene. how Rhyme Series is just like, it's Rhyme Series. Right. But here it's kind of just like, Everyone's going so hard for like what what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone local that you kind of fuck with, or like anyone at all that catches your eye, or have you not really been up to up to date on the music? I would say that as I'm far definitely, as locally, I'm definitely not up to date. Uh, yeah, it's hard, on the, dude. On the local, it's hard to stay up on everyone's stuff on the local scene. Um, so I really will have to uh, admit my ignorance on that. Yeah. Um, oh no worries, you're a busy guy, man. Yeah, yeah, but in terms of like what I've been bumping lately, like I definitely uh for like the i don't know the last couple months was just bumping uh victory lap like all the time like just going super super uh nostalgic and sad and inspired yeah and and all those things super sad you know it's really sad dude it is yeah considering of how dope he was as a person exactly and then to have that amazing album come out it's just like wild and then so soon because i yeah i always knew like he was like some sort of like his own type of hood activist, you right, know, right? Which, like, that blueprint has like not really been laid down before, in a sense, like, I guess by Tupac, in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because Tupac, Tupac was a smart dude mm-hmm. and he has that history with his mom being the Black Panthers and mm-hmm. him just coming up kind of like pre East Coast, West Coast beef, right? He was all about that, shit. yeah. And it sucks because I was just watching a whole bunch of Tupac clips yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like trying to get inspired, you know. Because mm-hmm. he's definitely his speeches are definitely inspiring. They're like no fucks given, yeah, type of shit, and For it just sure. sucks because in that whole East Coast West Coast time, which was like my most influential time growing up as a teenager, yeah, I'm like, like, what's wrong with this dude? You know what I mean? Yeah, like detracted. From yeah, like... it definitely took away from For sure. how great he is. Mm-hmm. He got caught up in that hype. Right. I was watching a clip from KRS One. He's like talking about it. He's like. Dude, Tupac is from the East Coast. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it just sucks that both of them got caught up in that hype. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, look, now they're dead. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's so sad and unfortunate. And then just to see the same, not the same thing in a sense, but, you know, another great musician murdered. Yeah. You know, Nipsey. Yeah. And but, I mean, the thing about Nipsey, too, was like, I have to, I have to, you know, admit that I didn't really understand, like, what a powerful, inspirational right. um, person he was until mm-hmm. he until he was killed mm-hmm. you know like i knew so many people you know i knew about his you know about his mixtapes and i knew you know that he he was more sort of like community um you know community oriented and did like a lot of work um in in his community but i didn't yeah. know the extent of it and then like yeah. the more the more you know that i found out about him mm-hmm. um like the more that i'm just like they're really has never been anybody like him right. because like to me he sort of represented like the best of right the best of 
Tupac of like what mm -hmm. you're saying, the best of, you know, the more entrepreneurial kind of like Jay-Z or Master P in terms of right. like having that mindset of how do you create something and not lose control of it and not yeah. sort of be working kinda for like, somebody uh, else. You know, like how, when Jay-Z was like, with he had his whole Rockefeller deal. Exactly. And then at that time period where everyone was com coming out with a label and a brand. Mm -hmm. You know, but it wasn't really about shit. It mm -hmm. was just kind of like, look, I'm a rapper. Now I have a clothing brand. Right. You know. Right. But so the thing with Nipsey, right, is that he, he, so he had all that. And then what I was going to say is like that the other part that he, that he brought to the table was mm -hmm. more of like the, uh, you know, like the dead prez kind of, yeah, um, dead prez, you know, sure. political and historical consciousness. Um, and I think the fact you know, that his dad is a immigrant from mm -hmm. Eritrea uh, is not insignificant in that sort of consciousness. Like, I think he was able to see beyond um, sort of the, you know, the mythology. Right. And he was able to sort of understand sort of those kinds of connections between different mm -hmm. groups of people. And I think, you know, being from being from L.A. and being from, um, you know, the Crenshaw area, you know, he grew up around a bunch of brown folk as well right. as, as, as black folks and, yeah. and greater LA, you know, lots of, you know, Asian Pacific Islanders and, um, right. and, and, um, different, different kinds of people that, um, he didn't, you couldn't fit him into a box, No, you know, like he, he did, he did all that. And he was so young that to think about what he would have become is even more, yeah. um, in one sense, inspirational and in the other sense, tragic, you yeah. know? Um, so, you know, I've definitely been still um, listening a lot to uh, to to Nipsey Hustle. Yeah. Um, the last few months, for that's sure. That's cool. Mm -hmm. um, do you bump anything else that's kind of just like always on your playlist, or just like you always go back to because it it reminds you of a time in your life where like you were either struggling or happy or sad or anything like that. I mean, things that I that I go back to all the time is is and Dead not Prez. even necessarily hip hop, just kind of anything. Right. Well, Dead Prez, I always go back to. Dope. Like I still, I still fuck with Dead Prez for sure in a, in a big yeah. way. And if I get a chance to see them, yeah, uh, in concert, um, I do it because uh, I think they always put on a good show, and I like to support. Right. Um, the Coup. Also, I, I go back and listen to the Coup um, a lot, and just think that um, uh, Boots Riley is just. <laughs> an amazing storyteller yeah you know like he knows, he knows how to tell a story for sure and uh pam the funkstress is a you know great uh dj um to to combine with um i mean i listen to a lot of uh oh so lately like uh through uh Enter the 36 Chambers back in, mm -hmm. in uh, I actually still have the CD. Oh, it's a little bit scratched, wow, but uh, I still have, I still have the CD. Uh, so I've listen been listening to that uh, yeah. lately as well. You listening to any of the new, the new Wu-Tang album? It's not necessarily new right now, but I mean, I mean, a few months ago. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Not, 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 it was okay to me. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever. I think, I think to me, a lot of it is the nostalgia. So I go back and oh, listen dude. to like the, the older stuff just because like I have that particular, it's you just know, so you're asking long. like things that, that it's like your comfort food, but right. music, you yeah. know? Yeah, so, soul food, that's soul music. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's crazy, man. Like that just, that Enter the 36 Chambers, just old school Wu-Tang is just unbeatable, dude. Mm -hmm. So much dope production. For sure. What about you? What about you? What, what, oh, what man. have you been um, lately? I got to open my... My app, real quick. Right, that's that's what. Because you know, because we, li I listen to so much, I forget. Mm -hmm. Um, so that uh, 
that album that Cypress Hill did, where it's just all their old songs, but they just did them in Spanish. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've been like trying to listen to more Spanish rap. Yeah. Um, what else? Oldies, always oldies, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of funk. I've been listening to a lot of funk. All right, like what you've been listening to? Um, I mean, locally, I always bump like Zacky Force Funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like anything else, damn funk. Dame Funk, sorry. And just like a lot of old, like uh, that old school funk that was like 90s and 80s where it's just like super, like you can dance to it and it mm-hmm. just makes you feel good, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see here. Dude, Rodney Owen, Joe Cooley, those dudes, mm. amazing. Right. Zapping around here always, dude. Can't go wrong. I know, man. War, can't go wrong. War, war. yeah, dude. That's Something. just like that food, that, like you said, that music that just makes you feel like, like home, you know? Yeah. No, you just got to like... Put on some uh, Art LeBeau show and just... Hell yeah. You know? Yeah, dude. Just kick it, especially on the weekends. That dude, like, is a king in my eyes, man. For sure. No. He's always been representing. He has. Um, he's getting so old now, dude. Like, I don't know. He's be... still doing it, though. I know. He's still doing it. He still does the dedications. Yeah, you know? still. Like, that, that's, that's, that's somebody who I got to yeah. look for, for sure. Um, someone that is super relevant in the funk uh, genre right now. And, like... He just came uh, last year. We had him at La Cocina. His name's Diamond Ortiz. Mm-hmm. He does everything with the talk box. Oh, it's dope, dude. All right. He has a really dope song called uh, Sunday Night Dedications. Mm-hmm. And his whole album is really dope. Nice. Um, yeah, dude. Kind of just that, man. Because, like, I don't know. I don't really go as deep into, like, the hip-hop as I should nowadays. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I'm so busy with it. And nowadays I'm just, like... I'm kind of over giving things a chance, which I yeah. shouldn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you but, time uh, for it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like literally that dude, like you just don't have time for it, you yeah. know? No. You, and I mean, you just want to listen to something that's like, fuck yeah. You make me feel good real quick. That's the thing. It's like you got <laughs> your, you got, you, you got your already proven. Your yeah. Proven you're proven entities and and for sure. And then, I mean, the other thing that like I didn't, I didn't mention, but when it comes to, uh, you know, music is, you know, I got a two year old. So we listen to a mm-hmm. lot of kids' music. Oh my god! You know, Tell me but not it, the crap in English. Not the crap in English. <laughs> uh-huh. That stuff I couldn't. That stuff would drive me crazy. Dude. There's actually really <laughs> like nice music for kids in Spanish um, mm-hmm. that w- you know that we listen to. But yeah, I mean, my daughter too, because she's gonna be two this month. Yeah, and dude, she's watching. She watches like uh, sometimes the Spanish videos, and mm-hmm. my girlfriend is like, "What is she watching?" Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't know Spanish. Doesn't even really know how to talk English yet. Yeah, either. No, but but it's she good like to, she loves it's good it to be exposed to it because I know it'll yeah. kind of like lay the uh, it'll lay that map in her head. And so, oh, I know. Like you know? this point period time right now, they're just learning everything. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, so definitely, it's good to to have her listen to. Um, music in Spanish, even if, yeah. if she doesn't hear it a whole lot, for sure. you know, um, like in the home, but if she listens yeah. to the, the music, that's, that's something, you know? Yeah. That's um, yeah, dude, as far as like, uh, music too, I loved everything that you did with your lecture. Oh, right The on. Fox, all those clips and the samples that you put in. Thank you. Yeah. I loved it, man. Yeah. I should do a Spotify playlist to, yeah. to parallel the, the talk. Yeah. Cause I don't have people ask me for the playlist and then really? I got to go and dig through it and like send Dope. it to them. I'm like, well, if I just have a Spotify playlist, just yeah, embed the link. For sure. Um, I went to that other thing you did too. That was for the Tucson hip hop fest this past year. Yes. Yeah, you did. I'm sad that you, sure. you, all you guys kind of got cut off because of the time constraint. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, was like, yeah, tech- that was dope too. It was like, they were out of technical yeah. difficulties and then like the person 
Like, they they let uh, two of the speakers kind of go on for way too long, in exactly. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was the last person, so then. Yeah, dude, I, that's I went for you, man. <laughs> yeah, I was I was disappointed that I didn't get to really say a whole lot, but I appreciated being invited to uh, participate and yeah, look forward to maybe in the future participating again and and maybe not mm-hmm. going last. <laughs> yeah, if anything, dude, you should have, kind of have your own, uh, not class, but just kind of, um, I guess, another lecture for people that they could come yeah because they did that the year before where uh someone came and uh kind of just like spoke for for an hour and oh. all all that time was dedicated to, to them cool yeah yeah but i mean if they invite me uh, i'll do it <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna talk to i'll talk to a few people yeah yeah, see yeah, what's yeah. Up. talk to your people yeah mainly my man pike yeah talk to your people yeah um but did you go to the hip-hop fest this last year i just went that day Okay. Um, and that was pretty much it. I wanted to go back for the Lowrider show, but I don't remember yeah. what happened. We, we didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Uh, Grupe, um, they were there. It was pretty dope. A lot of people enjoyed the Lowriders. Yeah, man. Yeah, because it's definitely a part of the culture, you know. Sure. You see it in the music videos. You see it, you know, just every Sunday, right, in Rodeo Park, just down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dope, man. No, I mean, that was like my lifeline, again, being a teenager in, in Minnesota and uh, they're not being a whole lot of Chicanos. I mean, there were Chicanos. Like right. we had a crew, but in terms right. of like an entire um, community, it was you know uh, it's not as as big as if we would have been out here. We right, been like somewhere in the Southwest. And so, mm-hmm. Lowrider magazine was my lifeline. You For know? sure. Like I just like look forward every month to go getting my copy of Lowrider magazine. Yeah, and just reading every last letter that was the old ones were the best man they were the new ones suck super corporate super (laughs) super objectifying women and even i'll go back and i'll see like the other day i was going through old photos trying to Mm -hmm. do some like spring cleaning in the middle of summer Mm -hmm. Uh, a little behind on that but um like going through old photos and seeing photos of uh of my room like when i was a teenager i'm just like damn like wow uh supposedly right i had like all these posters up because of the cars i mean not supposedly i did i had all yeah. the posters up for the cars but then there's all these like women in bikinis and stuff and i'm just like why can't we have <laughs> like a lowrider magazine yeah that's just really about the cars and the culture right. and not have right. that be a part of it you know because right. then i think about you know like when i think about my mom at the time like what patience she right. had like that must have like i know not made her very happy you know right like, coming into my room well, we don't think about that when we're that age no of course not i didn't yeah. think there was anything wrong with it because really honestly like for me it was about the cars yeah you know um not that i didn't mind you know that there was right. uh beautiful women in the magazine but that wasn't right. like what i was looking for like really it was about the cars mm-hmm. um but i think about now right um now that i have a daughter now that i'm a father uh, isn't it such, like, like what, what can difference? i show what can i show yeah. her to uh sort of learn about the culture right. and to appreciate it that mm-hmm. doesn't have you know half naked women on every right. other page um so that's that's uh that just is really it's really unfortunate you know like yeah it's so always been there though it's it has. crazy that's that's exactly the you know because the whole thing especially the dudes that own the cars yeah. and like that's their like their prize you know it's kind of like the cherry on top for them they're mm-hmm. like hey i'm gonna have this feed behind and like this pose in front of my ride it's gonna be sick and i'm like all right cool man but it's crazy yeah. because i do see beautiful women that are in bikinis mm-hmm. and beautiful women that dress like vatos you know mm-hmm. they dress like dickies cortez they might have a crop top on but even mm-hmm. that, even that they'll have like a flannel over it and they'll have their make their uh bracelets on all their jewelry and to me i think that that looks more hard and like i think looks better 
mm-hmm. you know, because they're repping. Right. You know? I mean, to me, to me, there's like a difference between your style. Mm-hmm. That's your style and you're wearing it. So, I mean, if somebody wants to be, you know, in a bikini or in whatever, that's all good. Like, that's not a problem. To me, it's when um, the woman becomes like the center of the attention no becomes like an object to be admired mm. as part of a car or you know what or whether it's like airbrushed on the car or whether it's a model of yeah, a magazine i totally get that like it's not it's not a woman uh choosing to dress that way and then just being out in the world right it's right. it's an object that's attached to another object mm-hmm. to either sell magazines right. or to um make you know, I don't know, make the car owner feel some kind of way or something, but yeah. that's not about the the agency that the woman has right. to uh, dress and be how she wants, right? right, it's, right. It's, it's something that somebody else is deciding. For sure. Right? So the owner of the car, uh, if the owner of the, the car is a man and the photographer setting up the photo shoot is a man and mm-hmm. the editor or pub, you know, publisher or whatever is all a bunch of guys, that's mm-hmm. very different. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I, what I, I was more uh, speaking to. And oh, okay. One thing that I, that I like that I definitely have noticed is um, I think as, um, as I don't know if it's as like people get older and start to have families or if it's a sign of an evolution, mm-hmm. but there being car clubs that will put together um, shows, put together um, uh, rides where they're like family friendly. And that yeah. also means like not, you know, machista, sexist, like mm-hmm. objectifying women, but where yeah. it's just cars. And yeah, because you see that all the time. Like low rider clubs are very community driven. Yeah, you know? they should be. Because they're like, come out, we're going to have a barbecue, we're going to be having a raffle, giving mm-hmm. away this and that. Also, when it comes to like Christmas time, you right. know, they do shows and they're like, hey, bring something because we're going to go exactly. donate all these toys. Right. That's, which that's is what's beautiful. Yeah. That's what's beautiful. Right. Yeah, which like, is dope. We don't need to have. I like that part of it. We don't need to have that other part of it. To me, right. that other part of it is more um, part of like the uh, corporatization of like yeah. the magazines and the shows mm-hmm. where it becomes about like selling something to people. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it's selling, um, right, the, the like marrying the lowrider culture with this very um you know misogynistic culture that we exist in Mm -hmm. and trying to package them together as something as a product right right that's that's what's not cool but like the actual culture of community and yeah of of bringing community together and doing things like you know like you're saying like the the um the drives for Mm -hmm. uh toys and stuff toys and stuff like that's that's what it's all about for sure you know and it's funny too because like I don't have a problem with, like, the women in, like, bikinis or whatever, like, being airbrushed or even, like, mm-hmm. they paint them nude sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where it's, like, two huge breasts and it's, like, the hair is out. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I kind of know where that comes from. Um, you see it on, like, baños and, like, mm-hmm. just drawings mm-hmm. or, like, homeboys in prison. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to, you know, see a woman. They're just like, yeah, this is, like, what's in my head. I'm going to draw it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a lot better than just mm-hmm. seeing, you know, a girl's... Um, standing next to a lowrider because mm-hmm. that's them just like you know they're dreaming about what's waiting for them or what you know something that they want you know for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. and uh the artistic side has always intrigued me a whole lot more because mm-hmm. like you said for you it was lowrider magazine but for me it was a low they used to have a lowrider arte lowrider arte yeah, yeah. Right, and yeah. my mom she was like no you're not 
I'm not buying you Lowrider magazine because mm-hmm. we go to Walgreens mm-hmm. and I'd be like, hey, can I have this? You know, it would be that in the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she'd buy, buy me the source and she'd also buy me Lowrider Arte, mm-hmm. but she's like, put this back. And I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Fine. You know, I'll get it from my homie at school. Right, right. But yeah, dude, like the art, you always see beautiful women getting drawn in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's such skill, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially when they throw it on a car. I still, I don't have a problem with that, you know, because it's the, it's, it's art. It is what it is. You know, I love it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as the whole like women in bikinis thing, I don't, I really hope that kind of, that trend fades out because it's been around for years, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I have nothing against the women that want to do that. No, no, no. But it's, I don't know. I just think it, it does come, it stems from our part of like that machismo mm-hmm. shit that is connected to Chicanismo, you know? Yeah, I mean, but again, I think it's really about that combination, right? It's 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 you take something that's already there, you know, machismo, um, but then, but then you you merge that with capitalism, and then sure. that's what you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you get. That's what you get, man. You, you know, and 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 neither machismo nor capitalism are going to give you anything good. Uh, you it might make you yeah. feel good, but that doesn't for make sure. Good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah yeah but it was it was interesting you said the source because that's another thing that um i've been thinking about um lately was trying to think about when sort of that transition from knucklehead to more of a critical Mm -hmm. thinker happened for me and i mean i think the seeds were there you know because of um my parents and my family and different um people i've had in my life but i think one of the things that really uh, kind of opened my eyes was actually uh, in XXL magazine, um, which you know is like the source or right. vibe or whatever. It's a like hip hop magazine. Yeah. Again, back in the day. Did you ever read uh, Rap Pages? Rap Pages. No. Uh-uh. No. For okay. me, the big ones it was it was the source XXL. Me too. Uh, and vibe. Um, but there was an issue of XXL uh, that came out. We're talking about at this point, like the mid '90s. Uh, when I was in high school, um, or should have been in high school. I think this is after I was no longer in high school, but Mm -hmm. I was of high school age. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a friend of mine gave me his copy of, of XXL magazine because I had this, this article in it that he thought I would find interesting. Yeah. Um, and it was actually a, uh, it was this like really long expose that came from this, uh, journalist, that worked for the San Jose Mercury News in California uh, at the time. Uh, his name was Gary Webb, uh, and he did this super in-depth um, investigative journalism piece about um, the CIA's involvement in um, the crack crack epidemic in the mm-hmm. United States, uh, and you know the whole rise right. of uh, freeway freeway Rick Ross, um, you know the original <laughs> mm-hmm. Rick yeah. Ross, um, uh, and the Iran Contra scandal and all that. That whole story, um, mm-hmm. he, he broke it uh, for the San Jose Mercury News, and then XXL um, printed like a condensed version of that story. Oh, dope! In its magazine, and that do you have is, any of those issues left at your house? No. Again, it wasn't my copy. It was a copy. It was oh, my okay. homie's copy. He just okay. lent it to me, but it blew my mind. You know, it blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and I remember like telling my dad about it. And my dad just like being like, <laughs> not surprised at all. Yeah. Just being like, yeah, that's not surprising. You know, because again, he's he's part of that generation of Mexican um, 
youth who, uh, you know, he, he was studying at La UNAM during the 1968 student movement, the wow. local massacre Holy and all shit. that. And his dad was in the military. Right. And so, yeah. so he saw it from both sides. Like he knew what they were capable of because his dad told him and he knew what they were capable of because of, uh, what they did, uh, to the student movement. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for my, for my dad, you know, uh, the fact that the U S government was involved in flooding, um, the inner cities with crack cocaine was mm-hmm. not a surprise yeah. or not like a stretch. You know, yeah. you tell a lot of people right now who are shooting off their fireworks and eating their hot dogs about <laughs> it. And they, they'd be like, Oh, that's a conspiracy theory or something like that. But come on, come on. What? Like if, if you're being real like that yeah. really it should it should it should make you outraged but it shouldn't surprise you yeah for sure yeah yeah dude there's so many people like that that are on the right that just think like everything that people that are kind of have more of those leftist views they're just bullshitting you know they're just lying mm-hmm. and then when it all comes down to it you know years later it's like oh that really happened mm-hmm. like it's just crazy man like kind of uh those uh, militia Mm-hmm. The militia people that go out in the desert yeah. to play Rambo and hunt, you know, immigrants down, they're always just like everything's a conspiracy to them. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like yeah. they uproot their life. They go live in Arivaca or somewhere. Yeah. And they just like go like citizens arrest anyone. And it's just like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. And they're always just like, yeah, these people aren't looking for jobs. They're bringing drugs, you know? And it's just like, yeah, there are those people that do that, you know? But it's just like very few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the familias and women and children coming through there, they don't. They're just, you know, they're seeking the asylum. Yeah. I mean, the people who they say, right, the the boogeymen that they're talking about. Yeah. The bad hombre shit. They fuck them up. You kidding me? These militias. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 got, they got nothing on, like, they're really talking about, like, the cartels and stuff like that. Come on. Yeah. They're, they, they will get yeah. punked so hard they would be done in a I day. Know. Like, yeah, they wouldn't dare cross into Mexico no, to do anything. No, they're going after they're vulnerable. Yeah. They're going after vulnerable yeah. immigrants and refugees and families and kids. Yeah. Um, because they're cowards. Yeah. You know? They're all cowards. If they were really, you know, if they were really about it, mm-hmm. they'd be going after other people, but they're yeah. not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's crazy. I just shared a a lot of articles recently on um that story that broke about the I'm ten fifteen group on Facebook that mm-hmm. had up to I think it was 9,500 members mm-hmm. that were CBP, mm-hmm. you know, customs too, yeah. border patrols. And it's just like so many people were in it. And it's just like so many Mexicans were in it, man. And it's just crazy. Like I get you're going to go and do that. That's what you want to do. It's your choice. That's your profession. Mm-hmm. But um, just to have like that such like hatred and unprofessionalism online and then it get. They, they caught him. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting to see, like, you know, the screenshots of, like, all the shit because mm-hmm. it can't be good. No. No, and that's the thing, right? Like, you know, I, I tell my students all the time, too, because a lot of them are from uh, southern Arizona and a lot mm-hmm. of them are um, Latinx right. uh, students. You know, I tell them, like, the, the Border Patrol uh, is going to come for you, um, <laughs> not... You know they're gonna come for you for different reasons, right? Some of you already know uh, because you're you're immigrants or you're part of a you know mixed status family or something like that, and so you think about it in that way. But yeah. they're also coming for you because they're gonna recruit you. Yeah. Right. They're gonna recruit you because right. um, 
the majority of border patrol agents are uh They're brown. We'll, we'll call them hispanic because i think <laughs> at that point you become hispanic yeah um, <laughs> um but a lot of people right they do it because the economy sucks in yeah. the communities that are along the border. Yeah. The brown communities along the border, not just in Arizona, right. and Texas and California and New Mexico mm-hmm. are um, abandoned by, uh, by the government and by the dominant economy. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, decent paying jobs that are available to them are yeah. either as border patrol or in other kinds of law enforcement mm-hmm. uh, jobs. Um, and so like, even I like, try not to demonize right people right. for taking a job that's putting food on the table. Like right. that's that that's eso es aparte from like what you're talking about. Like right. this is then you becoming so invested in mm-hmm. a culture of dehumanizing um, your the people that you're targeting that you start to buy into right. this just vile. They start to get brainwashed. This vile, racist, xenophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, um, patriarchal sort of ideology so that you can feel good about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't feel good about what you're doing no. if you saw these people as people and you see no. them as full... As members of your family. Exactly. Yeah. Members of your family. Uh, it's members heartbreaking. Members of, of the human race, right? Yeah. Um, so then, like, to see things like this come out, it's just like, well, that's what it is, right? It's mm-hmm. these people who have signed up to... Um, kidnap and torture and dehumanize uh, immigrants and refugees um, coming up with a story uh, and a sort of vocabulary that makes them feel okay about what they're doing. Yeah. Right. And it's them losing their humanity. Right. right. Like the, these people, like you said, like a lot of them are, are Brown, right. They're yeah. not, it's not all white people who are white supremacists, right? right. There's Brown people who are white supremacists too. For sure. Um, there's uh white supremacy is, is, there's even Brown people that don't even identify as Brown. They say, yeah, I'm white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're like on paper, we're white. Yeah. You know? This is the dumbest argument ever, but right. Yeah, so no, that all that all that is is just heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um so to segue from Border Patrol, the UVA had a huge issue, mm-hmm. you know, come up last semester with uh they hashtagged Arizona three because mm-hmm. there was originally um two that, you know, for sure was the Arizona two, but then a third got involved. But the more that I learned on uh, talking to them, um it was just more more of uh, the two. Mm-hmm. And how did that affect, like, everyone's, I guess, just daily life on campus? Because mm-hmm. from the incident that happened, to all the listeners, if you're not familiar with it, um, research it, hashtag Arizona2, and you'll get tons of information. Mm-hmm. And sadly, a lot of it comes from, you know, the right. And they're like, oh, my God, like, look at what these did. Look at what these kids did. How could, how could they just not be expelled, you know? And it's funny because I was there one of the days when I could make it to go support them when they actually talked to uh, this. I don't know if it was the administration or Ro- what's his name? Robert, what? Robert Robbins or Robinson. something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. When they like all presented their case for him. I wasn't there the day everyone lined up to deliver their the support letters, mm-hmm. but I was there the day after. Right. And, um, yeah, man, it's just crazy. Like, how did did you see a, a shift in uh, students' attitudes and even like faculty? Yeah, I mean, when you when you asked how did it affect um, people on campus, it affected different people different ways, right? right? Um, one thing that just always 
uh, I wouldn't say it surprised me, but that would like kind of upset me or disturb me was seeing how much it didn't affect a lot of students. <laughs> Not surprising. You know, a lot yeah. of students on campus were, especially, you know, who would just line up there on those, you know, bars on university and just, mm-hmm. you know, living the living the life yeah. like they were the living week this. before and like they will be <laughs> yeah. the next week. Yeah. Um, just like, como si nada, you know? For sure. Um, but, you know, for our students who either um, are uh, Mexican-American studies uh, majors that take our classes that I interact with um, on a more regular basis, mm-hmm. students that go to the Guerrero Center, which is the uh, Latinx Student Center, on campus, which is right next to my office. Right, um, and the Cesar Chavez building. And the Cesar Chavez building, Dope. that's right. Um, uh, whether it's the students in the, you know, the immigrant uh, 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 resource center, immigrant student resource center, uh, um, which is also next to my office. Uh, I mean, it affected all of those students right. in a very big way, in a very big way, right, where um, – you know, and my colleagues in Mexican American studies, it expect it it, it impacted us in a big way, right? Because mm-hmm. we uh, were made aware of um, you know death threats that were being made against us on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, Primarily, it was uh, the uh, the other professor introduced me to. I think his name is Robert what Sintley. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Sintley. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's been targeted before uh, yeah. for death threats. Um, yeah, he he put everything out there. It didn't bother him a bit, you know. Yeah, he's been yeah. through that shit before. Yeah, he's but, been um, he's been it through it before. Crazy, but, but um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it didn't bother him. Uh, well, like, from what I you saw, know what I mean, from what I saw online, from what he put out there, I was like, oh, yeah, cool, he's man. not. He's he like what I would say is that he's not uh, afraid to right uh, shine a light on it. Good. Right. But yeah. that doesn't mean that having death threats against you isn't going to make you feel some kind of way, especially when sure. it's already mm-hmm. happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but but anyway, so the point is, um, right, they made death threats against the professors of Mexican-American studies in particular. Right. And so um, so it impacted us. Right. Where we had to evacuate the building. We had to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, How did that even who answered that call or was it a letter? And also it was on social media. Um, I don't, oh, it was I don't, just like a post. It was like a thread. You oh, know, okay. Like a whole thread. thread um, responding to, you know, the, yeah. the Arizona two and the, the protests, um, like right at that moment when it was starting to go viral, especially right. on the right, um, the right wing sort of outrage machine was mm-hmm. kicking into full gear. And so, yeah. um, you know, there was, there was those people on the right who, uh, assumed right that these uh, that these young women couldn't possibly uh, have their own politics and their right. own their conviction own freedom to, of speech to be uh, standing up to border patrol that we must have brainwashed them or put them up to it right um, which um, um, you know is definitely not the case right these these were uh, courageous young women who were standing up to definitely. the most powerful government on the face of the planet Mm -hmm. um and and saying that they uh are not welcome on campus right yeah uh and so anyway so as a response to that then these threats were made uh we found out about them uh we ended up evacuating the building which again also has (laughs) just that building just that building and and actually like some of the other 
folks who are in that building who are not on our floor, I don't think ever even they found out about it later. Like, they, <laughs> so it didn't affect them. So still much. there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, um, but yeah, so it affected, uh, the faculty in that way and the students obviously, uh, it, uh, impacted them, um, more directly and more profoundly. Right. Because, um, you then had, right. The, <clears throat> you know, uh, vice i think his title is like the vice president of the border patrol union um making threats against them yeah um publicly saying are you talking about the queto i am yeah yeah Yeah, talking about punching them in the throat and about yeah um, i think it was uh i think i don't know the actual quote but it was like yeah if they were doing that to me i'd slap them across the face or something punch them in the throat oh it was punching them in the throat oh shit that's what he said okay Basically, he was saying that the Border Patrol agents who uh, were on campus, that they showed a great amount of restraint and that he wouldn't have shown that amount of restraint. Right. That if that if a young yeah, woman, right. if a young, no, uh, I remember. if a young Chicana was, uh, you know, calling him out to his face, that he would mm-hmm. respond with violence. Um, and right. so, yeah. And then, you know, and then he came on campus, right, uh, a couple of days later. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, was invited on campus and was allowed right. to come and yeah. all that. Um, but so, you know, it, 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 the, your question was how it, it affected people. It affected, um, folks in, in the community who, um, are not okay with the, um, criminalization of immigrant communities. Uh, it, it, it made us feel that, uh, we were, uh, fair game for mm-hmm. attacks, uh, both rhetorical attacks, but even more disturbingly physical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, threats of physical violence, right. uh, went completely, uh, without consequence, yeah. um, for them. And so, yeah, so it was a very tense I bet. time on campus. Um, it affected my students, uh, attendance in class. It affected their, um, their um how engaged they were in class their performance i guess you would say right um in class uh because they had you know real shit to worry about outside Mm of you know uh outside of our classwork right there was what was going on um with their classmates with their community um and so yeah it was a huge huge disruption for sure right that's crazy. And it kind of happened towards the end of the year. So mm-hmm. that kind of sucks too. Cause everything's like finals and like all that shit. It's just like, how, how do you even like concentrate on studying or taking a test with your full attention and trying to do your best with all that shit, you know, happening in the back? Yeah, no, I feel, I feel really, yeah, feel especially really for, you know, the two that even that, that went through it specifically, yeah. especially for, for the two who went through it. And, um, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of respect for them. You know, sure. they never, they never wavered. They, yeah. um, they made their stand and they, um, mm-hmm. and they dealt with the consequences. And yeah. luckily there was a community who rose up, um, to support yeah. them. It was so awesome to see all those people come. Yeah. Cause even me, like I'm not even a student, mm-hmm. you know, I went yeah. and a lot of other people that were there as well, not students, we went there to, you know, support mm-hmm. in that time of need because, I don't know. You need it, you know. Yeah. You need that community behind you, especially yeah, you to know, you know that you're not by yourself, you know. Right. Yeah. And to uh, hopefully get those charges dropped because mm-hmm. you know, one of the students her that was her year to graduate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and she did. Yeah. It was great to it's see. It's great, yeah. 
You know, and it's crazy because I actually talked to both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully I'll have them have their own little episode. Yeah, where we can get more in depth on it and just like, you know, get real critical on it. Mm-hmm. But I guess one of the Arizona three wasn't as supportive, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were supportive at one time, and then they kind of backpedaled. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. I thought all three of them, you mm-hmm. know, were like going strong but apparently it was just the two yeah 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 so yeah hopefully no, we'll should. get more on that yeah you, know. you should see if uh if they would uh if they'd be down to come and yeah and do the the podcast so you could For get sure. it straight from them you know like yeah. everything that they went through and sort of their their take on it right because obviously they For have, sure. they're in the best position to to speak right to what you to know, what actually what they happened went to through them. and yeah. um, where they're at now and yeah you know definitely with like all the threats from administration and Hopefully not, but I'm sure they got threats from, you know, other students, mm-hmm. you know, like that yeah. whole, the, even the class the, mm-hmm. that was talking to Border Patrol. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully at the end of the day, they, they feel more, um, like empowered, empowered to, to, um, you know, take a stand when, when they need to and to yeah. make themselves heard because right. I mean, definitely the whole point of, uh, the university pressing charges on them mm-hmm. was to intimidate them to right. to not right and to intimidate future students to not to not speak, speak up. up and not right. take a stand and hopefully it has the opposite effect and right. more students um, feel yeah. empowered um, because of what these um, two women did and sure. um, and continue to hold folks accountable and, yeah um, yeah yeah accountability is just crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other different subject we could talk about forever. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to go over or mention? Or you have anything coming up as far as lectures or meeting with people or anything? Uh, right Just kind now, of preparing for next year? Yeah, right now, you know, in full summer mode, which means uh, writing, writing, writing. Um, you know, I have a book that's coming out. Oh, wait. Um, uh, it's coming out next year. Oh. So it's uh, it's under contract coming out with University of California Press either in the summer or fall of of next year. So right now I'm making oh uh, hell yeah dude you know some revisions to that. Um, that's amazing. That's a big big project. A long time in the in the making. Yeah. Um, that drops twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. You know what month? Uh, it depends. I uh, have a lot of. Uh, photographs and images uh, okay. in the book, which uh, they told me would delay it a little bit more. Um, like so, for approval? Uh, to print? To, oh, for print? Yeah, to okay. print. To okay. print. Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit longer. So probably in the fall. So probably like Dope. September. Cool, man. Ish. Yeah, of, uh, I'll be on the lookout year. for that. Yeah, so I'm, you know, obviously very excited about that. Yeah, but that's amazing. Also, that'll be your first one? That'll be my first book, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Is be, it like kind of... Uh, biography or no it's on a uh, research that i did uh around uh youth activism oh, cool. and uh, social movements in uh, southern mexico and oaxaca the state of oaxaca so, mexico so it's like 10 years of research wow dude that's amazing with uh yeah with 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 young uh folks down there who participated in a big social movement in 2006 yeah. and then sort of looking at the next 10 years, how it impacted them. So kind of like what I was saying about, um, 
about the Arizona too, and like hoping that this experience, uh, you know, over the long term impacts them in a way where they feel more empowered. Yes, yeah. that's very much what I found, you know, in, yeah. in the research I did for the book is yeah. um, participating in like a extraordinary moment of social movement mobilization. Right. Impacted. Uh, I think that was kind of like one of a kind, you know, for U of A that yeah. had never happened. Yeah, I mean, something like that I definitely uh, had never heard of. And um, hopefully it's something that doesn't have to happen, um, you know, mm -hmm. again. Again. <clears throat> but Which I'm not surprised if it does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Especially with the, with the whole, like, national. the whole thing was no CBP on campus, no law enforcement on campus, which I get U of A has their own law enforcement, you mm -hmm. know, but inviting other agencies, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Because also, like you said, you know, this happened towards the end of the year, so... Um, so I'm sure, uh, what folks were hoping from the, um, the people in power sort of perspective is that things would die down and yeah. come, you know, everybody come back in the fall and forget about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully there's real policy changes that are made so that yeah. this doesn't happen again. Yeah, exactly. Props out to, uh, the Arizona to give them a shout out. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't want to give their names just cause, you know, hopefully they'll come on the podcast exactly. later and we can get everything out there, get exactly. all their emotions out, their opinions, everything that's coming up for them next year or yeah. for one of them because the other one graduated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they can, but, they, can, um, they can say their names themselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the issue with, like, white supremacy on campus, just I see it all the time when I go over there. That's why I was so nervous to go. I was just like, mm -hmm. am I going to be talking in front of a class of <laughs> white kids? Mm -hmm. Or, like, I don't know what I was prepared for because I had a – uh, ex-partner of mine go there for years and every time i went there i just felt so uncomfortable yeah you know, just unwelcome yeah well, i mean i remember that's that's one of the things i told you when you came to talk to my class which again this happened before yeah the arizona uh two um, incident incident happened but um like i remember like telling you like that part of the idea right is so that people from the community mm -hmm. especially um you know people of color uh, feel comfortable on campus because right. they should, right. right? They should, they should, they have every right to be on campus. Yeah. Cause that's something um, that the U of A advocates, you know, they have, uh, Mexican studies mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, we want to do this for, they always call it the Hispanic part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, they just like always, and they use Mexican culture, mm -hmm. you know, as a selling point for them too. Sure. You know? Sure. And like proximity so, to the border and all that right. kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. then it's, it's also time to like make that real for like right. the people that yeah. are part of the communities that are um, being uh, used for these different reasons, right? For sure. So definitely try to bring as as many people on campus from off campus um, to try and uh, lessen sort of that that divide that, yeah. unfortunately, you know, uh, happens really like at any university that I've been to. There's that there's that divide, always and, that divide, and the you know for those of us that are um, working within those institutions, I think that um, a lot of what we hopefully try to do is to to bridge the gap a little bit more. You right. Know? Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate your time coming and talking about everything that happened last semester and kind of things that are going on. And thanks for letting everyone know about your book coming out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like right up my alley, dude. So are you going to have like a book signing and all that stuff? Yeah, I'll probably have some Dope. events, some events uh, around around here locally in Tucson. Yeah, hopefully. You should make it a big party, man. Yeah, no, I mean. Have I, music and everything. Yeah, maybe you can help me uh, yeah, we could organize set, something. Yeah, set something up for sure. Yeah, that'll be Yeah, dope that'll be dope. For sure. 
Yeah, um, dude. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for the invitation. And yeah, for, for sure. The, for the conversation. It's kind of hard to schedule it with you on vacation and you getting sick and then I was doing stuff, but yeah, we did it, man. Yeah, yeah, we made it happen. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so episode four, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. That's cool with you. Cool. It's in the books. Yeah, hell yeah. So episode four, Cholo Stereo. Um, thanks for listening. Peace, yo. Peace. Fuck that.